listening to PetLifeRadio.com. What Were You Thinking is brought to you by Dog.com. For everything and anything dog, shop Dog.com today for all the top brands. Greenies, Frontline, Kong, Nylabone, Royal Canin, and more. Shop at Dog.com and use the promo code SADTHINK, S-A-D-T-H-I-N-K, and get $15 off your order of $75 or more. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Foul Weather, and welcome to another episode of What Were You Thinking? My guest this week is Cheryl McAdee. Did I say your name right? Yes. Okay. Before we get to Cheryl, I wanted to uh, mention something about a book I talked about last week. My friend Kimberly Link, who is the founder and director of Majestic Waterfowl Sanctuary in Connecticut, she has written a wonderful book for pet duck owners. It's called The Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook. And I mentioned it last week. The thing I like about this book so much is that this is the first book I've ever read about caring for ducks that doesn't treat ducks as an entree. So you won't find a section in this book about how to butcher and prepare your duck for the dining table. The reason I'm mentioning this book again is that last week I said that you could get this book through Amazon and Kim told me she's not going through Amazon that to get a copy of the Ultimate Pet Duck Guidebook you want to go to Kim's website and it's easy to remember it's just MajesticWaterfowl.org so uh, that's it www.MajesticWaterfowl.org to get a copy of Kim's Really, really good book. I tell you, I thought I knew a lot about ducks, and uh, Kim is really the expert. So get this book. You'll find out about uh, caring for your ducks, uh, you know, diseases, diet, housing, all that stuff. I have another expert on the line, uh, Cheryl McAtee, and she is going to tell us about a couple of very interesting pets that she has had. Uh, one of them is a rhea, which is a bird, uh, sort of the South American equivalent of an ostrich and also Tommy a cat that was part bobcat. Cheryl was born in St. Louis, raised in New Jersey near New York City, went to college in Virginia, worked in New York City, Tokyo, wow Tokyo, San Francisco, Houston and San Diego and now lives in Vancouver, Washington under wintry conditions at the moment. One of Cheryl's claims to fame, besides being an exotic pet owner, is a chicken cooking contest that she won. She, um, uh, Cheryl, you, uh, let me just bring you in. Hi, Cheryl, how are Hi. you? How are you doing? Good, thanks. Cold, okay. but good. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me all right? Yes, I can, thank you. Tell me about the cooking contest. Well, I was taking a writer's course because people kept saying I should write about my little farm here. 
And so we had a writing assignment, and I really couldn't come up with anything. And then I saw this little article in the paper about the National Chicken Council cooking contest. So I put together, wrote up, which was actually very difficult because I just kind of create things in my kitchen. I don't really go by recipe. So I actually wrote down a recipe and sent it in, and I'd never even been to a cooking contest or never had done anything like this before, and I came in first in the state, and they sent me to the National Cook-Off in South Carolina in Hilton Head, and I came in third, so that was a nice surprise. That is amazing. So that must have been one heck of a recipe. It's very healthy. It's mostly fruit and um, with lime and cilantro, like a salsa of different... It's very colorful. And, um, And then the chicken is served with ginger and curry. Yum. And kind of, it's not mixed together, but anyway, it's together in two different things and um, displays beautifully. And so I think that's, and tastes good too. It's very healthy though. And it says you also came in first for a cooking magazine contest? Yeah, I saw one. So I kind of tweaked my original recipe and added more things like blueberries and even healthier fruits. (laughs) So that came in first. So they sent a photographer out here and um, did a spread. And then, um, then you came in third for a blueberry farm cook-off? Yeah, that was nice. I got some blueberry plants that are in my yard. Now, have you thought of going on the Food Network? Because they have these challenges. No, quite. actually, I don't have cable. So. Okay. <laughs> so I've never seen a Food Network show. Well, let's talk about your critters. Okay. Um, can you, off the top of your head, rattle off uh, what you have right now? Right now I have, I just had cougar come in, so I lost some geese and a duck, but I have two Toulouse geese, eight chickens, they're Araucana, so they laid the blue green eggs, Um, three ducks, a donkey, a mule, two llamas, one sheep, it's a a Shetland sheep from Scotland, so it's a miniature, it's really cute, and um, a barn cat, and then I have three house cats and two dogs. And a couple goats? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my goats, yes. <laughs> An alpine and a boar goat. Oh, okay. And they're so much fun. You know, we I should do a goat show sometime, and you can tell me about your goats. Oh, they're like puppies. They're adorable, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you had a very interesting pet. Um, uh, I have seen one before. There was somebody uh, in not too far from me in Lowell who had one of these, and then... Um, uh, I lost touch with them, and I didn't get a chance to ask them too much about it, but this was a Rhea. Mm-hmm. Why don't you talk a little bit about what a Rhea is and also how you happen to own one? Okay. Um, Rhea, there's the reptile family, which is ostrich um, from South Africa, emu from Australia, and Rhea's from um, South America. And then, of course, you have the cat's ways and the kiwis. And um, so Rhea's are... Um, as an adult, they're uh, 70 pounds, well, the males are, and about um, 6 feet tall. And they are um, amazing birds. And so... These, um, they're a little bit smaller than emus, aren't they? Yes, just a little bit smaller. So of the three, of course, the ostriches are huge. Yeah. And, um, and I think the males can weigh up to, I think, 400 pounds and can be quite dangerous, actually. And they only have two toes, but the rheas um, have three toes. Okay, what is their, uh, where they come from in South America, what kind of um, geography do they live in? They're in the um, plains, and they'll actually hang around um, deer and other um, hoofed animals like that. Mm-hmm. And they're in, um, I think of Jurassic Park, where they have those large birds just running through the fields. Well, that would be what the, a, a group of rios would look like. 
Okay, and your Rhea was named... Myria. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I was calling him Myria. And then yeah, and it was a male. To it, so. Yeah, how did you happen to get him? Well, um, I had actually read about them, and then there was an ad in the paper. I don't even know why I was even looking there, and for Rhea's for sale for like $10. So I went over there, and it was so close to where I live, and um, apparently... There had been a Rhea boom, and they were selling for 1500 and then the price dropped to 150 for an adult. And he had raised some babies, and so there was a Rhea left. And so I brought him home, and I raised him with chicks. I had some young chicks that I was raising. And it was so cute because they would sleep on his back. Oh. And so then um, then when he his hormones kicked in, I was hoping it would be a female. They told me it was a female, but it wasn't. And... Um, he started actually getting aggressive toward the chicks, so then he really bonded to me. Hmm. And only if I wore a gray jacket. Okay, is that I had to wear with him, otherwise he could become pretty aggressive. They can be very aggressive. Yeah, I, wa- I wanted to ask you about that. How, what kind of um, housing? Um, he was he had uh, part of the barn, and that opens to a pen with a seven foot fencing. Okay, and that was high enough. Yes, it has to be. At least, <laughs> yeah. Do they need a lot of space to run in? Or? Um, yes, this is a long rectangular area, and they like uh, grass. And then I had blackberry bushes on the sides of the fencing, so he loved the blackberry leaves and the and the course of blackberries in season. Did he ever get out? Um, he there was one escape, <laughs> <laughs> and then I re you know re upped the uh, fencing. And never happened again. And uh, but he was real easy to come in, actually. Oh, I he was. was what, how did you just open the gate and he went back in? Yeah, mm-hmm. he followed me right in. Okay, I, I envisioned you maybe having to ride him back. No, <laughs> although he was big enough. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, the folks we knew who had the uh, Rhea, they also had a couple of uh, e. Is it emu or emu? E- emus, and they are notorious for escaping. And I guess for being aggressive, because the uh, wife told us that um, she drove home once and um, the emus had broken out and she didn't dare get out of her car. They wouldn't let oh, her Oh, wow. Oh, well, Rhea was um, actually fine. He just followed me in. <laughs> yeah. But he only would go in one gate. He wouldn't go another day. Yeah. It was really funny. Well, what was his personality like? It was sort of either real friendly and real sweet and calm, or he could become aggressive. But he was mostly really friendly, and he would, um, he could eat, if I had just like one berry in my hand, he would very gently take it out. But his beak, the, the, the beaks of Rhea's are made for tearing, um, so they can be quite harmful. Luckily, I didn't have a problem with that. Are they vegetarians? Um, they, they do eat small rodents, but mostly vegetarians. So there's a special uh, rat type feed that I would get for him, and um, then I would supplement it with Oh, like torn lettuce leaves or spinach or, um, you know, berries and things like that, or chop up an apple. I bet you didn't have any mice in your barn. I No, I don't, because, unfortunately, um, my neighbor did some clearing, and I ended up with rats. Oh, good grief. Oh, so, yeah, I know. Because I, I was thinking... That, that I, was actually one reason to get it, for getting him. Yeah, I was thinking he might be a good mouser. Mm-hmm, but he was... He, I, I, if he did much, I didn't see any evidence of it, let me put it that way. <laughs> now, you said when he was in a good mood, he could be very sweet. Oh, how long come, How yeah, long would it take you to read his mood? Well, you, know. um, you could tell by um, their eyes, um, just the general behavior. Um, 
Winter spent a lot of time with Rhea. Of course, again, remember I raised him since he was, he was about, oh, he was about two months old when I got him. And he grew at a rate of, I'm not exaggerating, about half an inch a day. It was amazing. How large was he when you got him? I was about 18 inches. Oh. And then he, then he became six feet. Wow. <laughs> and one, one interesting thing about their feathers, the wing feathers can be over two feet long, but they don't have any down. So they'll raise their feathers on top of their head. And again, this is the males, and they kind of dance around. They'll do things like ballet moves, like twirls, and all sorts of beautiful dances. Are are these like to attract a mate? Yes, and um, the male rhea, in a normal situation, if there's a female, they'll build the nest, and then the female will raise, you know, lay the eggs in the nest, and then the rhea, the male, will sit on the nest and raise the young. Oh my gosh! And that's typical of ratites. Yeah. So the female basically has it pretty easy. How did you learn about wearing the different color clothes around you? Um, because if I didn't wear this gray jacket that I got for doing farming chores, when I and I had that, I was wearing it when I first got him, and it actually kind of matched his colors. Mm-hmm. If I wore anything else, he would get very aggressive. Okay, because I don't think I would necessarily put two and two together that quickly, it although was, I... I Real obvious. Was it? Okay. I've noticed sometimes every year in the wintertime, sometimes it gets so cold here, I put a mask over my face. Mm-hmm. When I go out in the barn, it takes the animals a little while to the, uh, uh, some of the ducks to associate that with me all over again. Right. You I have think, to kind of talk. And listen yeah, then they're voice. okay. <laughs> then they're all right. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you figured that one out right away. Oh, it was real obvious. <laughs> you would feed him, and you said he would take the blueberries right from your hand? Very gently. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, huh. Just one little blueberry or blackberry didn't matter. He would just gently take it out of our grapes. He liked grapes. Now, you do have, uh, you were telling me that it's pretty cold there right now, isn't it? Right now, it's very cold. So, how would he, you know, have done in weather like what you're having right now? Oh, he would have been actually fine. I would let him out there, even though it's not above freezing during the day right now. But it's nice and sunny. And he was, the only time I ever kept him in was when we had snow. Oh, okay. And. But he would be fine, and their wing, their feathers really keep them warm. And uh, way back when, the Incas would use their wing feathers as capes, mm-hmm. and because of the warmth. And wow. actually, sometimes when I was cold, I just put my hands under his wings to warm up my hands. <laughs> That's a tame bird. If you'd let you do that, I can't get away with that uh, with our geese. Actually, my uh, one goose that I had would let me do that. Wow. Well, I'm going to take a quick break here because we've already gone through half the show, believe it or not. So we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and we will be right back with Cheryl McAtee. What were you thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Afoot, ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code THINKING, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. 
Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash what, W-H-A-T, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home. For her. Enter the code WHAT, W-H-A-T, and save 10% on orders of $65 or more, plus free shipping at Petco.com. Hello? Danica, where have you been? Oh, Grandma, I've been busy, you know, racing, GoDaddy girl. Oh, I built my own online store with GoDaddy. Really? Let me see. Grandma'sauction.com? Hey, aren't those Grandpa's golf clubs? Grandma needs her bingo money. Use promo code WHAT10, W-H-A-T, the number 10, and get a .com domain name for just $7.49 at GoDaddy.com. If you ask the question, what do I want, what do I need, I'll take a back shot. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Hello, I'm Deborah Wolf, and I'm inviting you to my animal party on Pet Life Radio. The dress code? Come as you are. Pajamas, a tux, you can even go naked like your pets. Unleash your party animal at my animal party. Guess you know from Animal Planet, TV, radio, the news, and bookstores will be joining me. And that's because after I won Best Pet Radio in America from the DWAA, I got my paw on the door and I met a lot of amazing people. And the best of the best are going to be coming to the party. They're coming to party with us. So join us at the animal party. Don't miss the party. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, I'm Bob Tart. You're listening to What Were You Thinking? We're talking to Cheryl McAtee about her pet Rhea she had for... How long did you have my Rhea? I had him for a little over 12 years. Okay, that, that's a nice nice long life for a pet. What is uh, the life expectancy in general? Um, 18 to 20. Okay, all right. I but, have... Oh, actually, um, I've read there isn't much written about Rhea's, but what there is is that people have tried different diets and different things to raise Rhea's successfully. And so for 12 years in this setting was actually a long time. Yeah. I was wondering what might make a Rhea unlike any other bird that you might have had before, other than other than the obvious thing of being as a six-foot-tall bird. Was there anything that was very unique about them compared to any other pet birds that um, you've had? You have to remember their brains are about the size of their eyeball. Yeah. And there's a private airport with small planes that are just across the street from me, a little bit down. And the and when he first was let out and really um, exploring his area, they used to scare him. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, I just pointed to it one day and said, airplane. And he kind of looked at me and it's like, oh, near, you know, because I gave a name to it. Mm-hmm. He was never afraid of them after that. Wow. And so then I started naming things. So he would, he was really smart. He would, yeah, I would say go into the barn. He'd walk into the barn. Mm-hmm. And or come on out, he'd come on out, and di- different things like that. So for a bird, he was actually really smart. Well, I think birds are very smart. Uh huh. And um, and he really did have a lot of. There was a lot of words that he would he knew what they meant. Yeah. And another thing that's unique about Rhea is it's the noise they make, and it's um, from their chest. They don't open their beak, and you can hear it from oh gosh, probably about a thousand feet away. Really. And it's like a low. It's hard to what it is without hearing it but it's a, like a, a hum almost and it's it, it, but it's a low tone and it just carries okay is this uh the one vocalization they do or do they have more um they hiss one? they can actually hiss like if he was lying down and i would say go into the barn he didn't want to get up mm-hmm. he would stretch out his neck like a snake almost and hiss so like is it sort of like the hiss like you, a geese. from a goose yeah mm-hmm. and so for me to get him up and i just bring out a flashlight and and point the light in back of him, and he'd get up and walk into the barn. Did you associate any particular meaning to the hum? Um, that would just be calling. Just calling other Rias? Uh, yeah, or even to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And sometimes when I'd leave and I'd have to go to work and he wasn't happy, mm-hmm. and um, he would hum, and then other times when he would hear me near the house or something, he'd hum. Would the hum always sound the same? or Always the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not modulated or no, off and on or anything. So it's like a low hum. It just carries. It's actually it's beautiful to hear. Mm-hmm. I bet that surprised you a little bit when you first. Heard when it. I first heard it, yeah, I was like, "What was that?" How did he get along with um, other people? Or was it mostly just you he got along with? He. It was interesting. He would take to some people and not to others. So some of my friends could be in with him, but I just had to kind of gauge him before that would happen. So basically, I just to be on the safe side because I didn't want him I didn't want him to hurt anyone or him to get hurt if he got upset I just kind of didn't let people in with him after he became an adult yeah what was a typical day like caring for him it was so easy actually he was just making sure he always had fresh water and, and and lots of food and then he had plenty of grass and things to eat in his pasture and just spending time with him petting him and that sort of thing because he'd kind of walk up and 
stand next to me and rest his head on top of my his beak on top of my head and it was actually really a, a sweet bird, very easy. Oh, that sounds like a Usually, great bird. Usually, but then he could be aggressive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a bird for you. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. I wanted to talk about another animal, too. You had a very interesting cat. Mm-hmm. And that was Tommy? Tommy. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about how you obtained Tommy and what was different about Tommy than your normal everyday house cat? Sure. Um, when I first moved here, I had a Mustang. It was Most of these animals here, by the way, are rescues. And, um, Good for you. And so, uh, and some of them have come from really bad situations. But um, my horse, I had gotten in Texas and moved to California and then moved up here. And I went out, I had only been here for like two weeks. I went out and he was, kept walking, he walked over and showed me this cat that was just sitting there. And he had an injury on top of his head. And so I was able to lure him into a cat carrier. Unfortunately, it was in the evening and I couldn't take him into a vet till the next morning. And so the vet fixed him up and cleaned out the wound and stitched it up and neutered him, which was very nice. And so he became my cat. And the vet said, um, you know, and I noticed that he was paws and kind of his hips and shoulders were different and he had a little bobtail and he was part bobcat. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful, handsome cat. He was about 20 pounds. And That's I a had, big cat. The vet figured he was about 12 years old when I got him. And um, I had him for 10 and he became a house cat. But he was also sort of like a dog. Wow. And so in his behavior, so he would be out with me wherever I'd go. He'd follow me around the yard. He actually learned a lot of commands. And he, I had a 110-pound Malamute and a coyote mix that I got in Texas for dogs. And they definitely respected the cat. There was never any fighting. They just realized this cat was in control or was like the master. Yeah, what was his color like, or did he get that from the domesticated he cat? Tawny. He was sort of like a sort of like a, a tabby, but not. He had the you know, the hair is coming out of the ears, um, very interesting head. And he was well he was sort of like a well, sort of like well it's hard to explain, sort of just figure bobcat and maybe a tabby combined. Do you have bobcats in your area? Yes. Okay, so do you think um, <laughs> this was a natural union of yes. a... Is, is there a lot of that going on? Um, yes. As a matter of fact, when I lived in Texas, they would breed a bobcat with... Uh, they had two Siamese cats at the feed store, and they would sell those kittens for 250 But in 19... I think it was 1997, Pixie Bobs, which is a combination of cat, domestic, and bobcat, oh. became a recognized breed. I've heard of them, but I didn't know what they were. And that's what a Pixie Bob is, and they're really cute. <laughs> Did he have um, any wild personality traits at all, or, you know, something wild about his nature? He did when I first got him, and after he was uh, neutered, his hormones kind of calmed down. So he wasn't, for example, if you pet him and left your hand on him, he'd bite or scratch you. Oh. But after a couple months as a house cat and his hormones calmed down, um, it's not that they even had a danger sign on his chart at the vet's um, because he attacked the vet. But um, then he was just he was just the sweetest sweetest cat you could have. He was wonderful. He never did that again. But um, I always felt that he for if I was if there was I, if I was ever in danger, I would want Tommy around even more than my Malamute. So he sort of looked on you as somebody that he would protect. Is that oh, right? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Were there any instances, you know, any examples of where he kind of looked like he was ready to come to your aid? 
Um, well, he did chase, uh, he actually transformed into like a bobcat, I guess, when he uh, chased a few stray cats out of the yard. But he, when someone would knock at the door, he would be the first at the door and check them out. Oh, my gosh. Check people out. Did you see like a, a dog? Yeah. Did he seem smarter than, I mean, I think cats are awfully smart. I mean, they, they are. They, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so you, he's different. It was hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend anyone that likes cats to spend some time with someone that has a pixie bob or just a, one like Tommy. He learned commands very quickly. I mean, he wouldn't sit, but he would, you know, um, just all sorts of things. Yeah, I found cats learn things, but that doesn't necessarily mean they want to do right. them. <laughs> and he was more like a dog in a way in that behavior, just mm-hmm. the commands that he picked up, and that would, like I'd say, come into the house, and if I was out in the yard, he'd go into that, you know, go toward the house, or basically if he wanted to, but usually if that's where I was heading. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't say that, he'd stay outside. And he um, he just kind of hung around me the way a dog does when you do doing chores outside, hmm. and he was very protective of the ducklings and the baby chicks. I was going to ask you about that. So there was no, he understood that they were off limits. They were part of the family. It was like whatever was here was his family. He Basically, he car- guarded anything here. So he wouldn't chase wild birds or anything like that? Uh, no. Okay. And I have yard, you know, wild bunnies in the yard, and he was fine with those too. Okay, because I think that's interesting that we have a couple cats that... If they're outside, they will go after birds. But when they're in the house, they don't even look at our pet birds. They, you know, they yeah. get it. Now, Tommy kind of, like, it was, whatever was here was, he was yeah, basically responsible for taking care of. But if anything stray came in, he was right on it. That's interesting. I, could, I can see dogs having that behavior, but that's really new to me that a cat would act that way. That, that's why Pixie Bob, or this, especially this one, was so interesting. Now, you had experiences with uh, a 100% bobcat at, was it the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary? It was on the, Cleveland Amory um, started the Fun for Animals. Well, he's since passed away, but I think over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, he has a, a sanctuary in Ramona, California, which is near where I live. Now, my mom used to work in the, they used to have domestic cats and dogs in there, too. And my mom used to do volunteer work at the cat house. And um, but I liked working with wild animals, so it was um, a pair of bobcats. They were third generation domestic, so it was brother and sister Bobby and Susie, and they were as gentle as could be. They loved being petted, and really? I would say my the only danger was if they licked me too much. <laughs> Their tongues were really rough. <laughs> I just... Bobby would play with my ponytail and never scratch me, give me hugs, and just if I stood up he'd go to the top of his doghouse so I would walk over there to pet him and he'd stand up and hug me and just love to be scratched all over and just adorable. I'm just really surprised. I guess I didn't realize that uh, a wild animal like that that it could be not just tame but you know even temperament. Oh affectionate, very affectionate. Wow, that's very cool. And again, they were third generation domestic. Though. Yeah. And unfortunately, they were the people had moved from Oregon to California, and then they were taken from them by the Department of Wildlife. Oh. And this was a rehab thing, but hopefully they were going to be used for education because I couldn't even imagine these being put in the wild. No. They were so tame. Well, listen, we're about out of time, so I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have a website or anything that you want to lead people to? Oh, if anyone has questions about whether or not they should get a Rhea or, or, or you know, if they're interested in Pixie Bobs, it's McAtee's Farm at gmail.com. 
Okay, why don't you spell that, please? M C A T E E S F A R M at gmail dot com. Great. Okay. And how about the that prize winning recipe? Didn't you tell me that was online? Oh yeah. If they go to um, Eat Chicken is the website. Eatchicken.com? Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then they can Google, uh, I think it's Sweet Curry. I can't think of what I called it. I think it's Sweet Curry. Mm-hmm. And for where it asks for, there's a, a thing where you can search for recipes. So just Sweet Curry, and um, then you can find the recipe. Well, congratulations on your cooking honors. And also thanks so much for all the wonderful things that you do for animals. Oh, well, thank you. Okay, so you have been listening to my friend Cheryl McAtee, who lives in Vancouver, Washington. And you have also been hearing yet another episode of What Were You Thinking with Bob Tart. Thanks so much. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email me at bob at petliferadio.com. Please visit my website. It's just bobtart.com, B-O-B-T-A-R-T-E.com. And you can find out about my two books, Enslaved by Ducks and Fall Weather. Thanks to my producer, Mark Winter, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.